I'm Renee Ritchie, and I'm watching Apple's October 2020 event live. Yeah, live. And this is my real-time analysis of the iPhone 12. Let's do this. Sponsored by CuriosityStream with Nebula. And now we're cutting back to Tim Cook. He's on the stage in the Steve Jobs Theater. And of course, we're going right into 5G. And Tim Cook's doing this part himself, which is sort of shades of when he introduced the first CDMA, the first Verizon iPhone back in 2011, in between the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 4S. And he's giving us sort of the sales pitch, almost the classical carrier sales pitch for 5G, which is higher speed, uh, lower latency, and just the, I don't want to say robustness, but 5G does provide much more bandwidth for everybody on those same sort of networks. And he's also promoting privacy and security, saying that people can stay on their cellular connection and not have to use public Wi-Fi, which is an interesting way of folding that into the argument, into the discussion. And he says, you know, he just says the quiet part out loud that for a lot of people, these technologies only become real when Apple adopts them, that a lot of other devices often get to them early on and... That is just not seen by anyone in the Apple ecosystem. We have almost like selective blinders to what other vendors are doing. But now that 5G is on the iPhone, you know, everyone who does use iPhones, which is by far not the majority internationally, but in the U.S. is 50% of the business. And amongst young people in the U.S., it's even more, uh, you know, it's, it's much higher than 50% of the business. And they're spending some time on Verizon's 5G network, which is millimeter wave, uh, FR2 frequency range 2, which is the high band uh, version of 5G, which is not my favorite because it is fast. It's ridiculously fast. It down lets you download movies before you realize you've pressed the button, but it's also almost non-existent. And in the few places where it is existent, it's so fragile that if you move, if you go inside, if you turn a corner, if the rain picks up, you can lose that connection. So I know Verizon is really keen on this and they're sort of strong arming. It's hard to imagine they're strong arming Apple, but they're strong arming as many people as they can into this messaging. And I just, I don't think it's going to be realistic for most people. I think things like T-Mobile's N41, as that starts to roll out those mid bands of 5G, which are closer to what traditional cell phone systems work like, which means much better penetration, much greater range are going to be much more significant to far more people. But the, the high speed is what gets all the attention. And I think that's unfortunate. And while to be any of Verizon's Android partners, when they see Verizon say it only gets real with Apple. And we've got the iPhone 12, the regular iPhone 12, maybe the mini, but we've got the iPhone 12 version of the 2020 iPhone right in the Steve Jobs Theater. And we've got Kyan Drance coming out. She is VP of product marketing for the iPhone, one of the people who decides every year what the iPhone is going to be, and one of my favorite and smartest people at Apple. And yet we've got it. We've got the design going all the way back to the iPhone 5, iPhone 5S, iPhone SE, similar to the current iPad Pro design, uh, which I really like. People are mixed on. Some people prefer the way the smooth corners feel on their hands, but this just feels so solid, plus it stands up. And the colors we've got are black, white, product red, sort of a mint, light lime green, and more of a bold blue. And I'm, since I'm not a fan of pastels, 
I like the blue a lot more than the green. And the bezels have been reduced, so it's 11% thinner, 15% smaller, 16% lighter, which sort of echoes back to how the iPhone 5 was announced. And in this case, it's also with the Super Retina XDR, which, like I said, I, I wasn't expecting from Apple. I thought they would do something more like the iPhone 10 or iPhone 10s OLED, something that would be less expensive and keep differentiation with the higher-end Pro models, but they're not. They're going all in on iPhone 11-style panels, so 2 million to 1, high contrast ratio, so you get those deep, deep blacks, especially in dark mode, plus high detail in the whites. And the resolution is doubled now over the iPhone 11. So 460 pixels per inch. So you can just forget all that not even 1080p in 2018 or 2019 stuff. So you're just going to get, especially with Apple's color management that goes all the way from ingestion to display, it, it'll just show really accurately whatever is on your screen. And of course, they're, they're doing DCI-P3, Dolby Vision, HDR10, and HLG, which is the full range of sort of higher than sRGB colors. And in terms of the durability of the display, Apple typically has access, they work on the floor with Corning and they come, to, they come up with better chemically hardened ion exchange glass. And they've been weighing it heavily towards break resistance lately. And now they're doing what they're calling ceramic shield by putting high temperature crystallization nanoceramic crystals into the glass matrix to just improve the toughness. So it's it should have great clarity. It should have even tougher. Uh, jury's out, of course, on how scratch resistant it'll be. I will take a few scratches over breaks, um, but we'll see. And Apple's claiming four times better drop performance over the previous generations. So we have Arun Matthias, who is Apple's VP of wireless technologies, and he's inside one of their wireless testing chambers, which we saw long ago, I think with the iPhone 4 uh, press conference. And they're doing something very similar, at least it looks very similar to what they did with the iPhone 4, and that is make this antenna band. And they're using that now for what I believe are much more complex 5G radios because they have all the differences in technologies, frequency range one, frequency range two, low bands, mid bands, high bands. These might be the Apple antenna systems, nothing to do with Qualcomm or anybody else that they've been working on for a while. Unknown what the RF front end is and probably Qualcomm modems, but they're building all of this in. They're sort of taking some of the complexity out of 5G and just abstracting it so that you have this smart data mode and it'll it'll use whatever is the most power efficient speed for the appropriate task. So if it can race to sleep, if it can do something that is really quick, it can hit that 5G, do it as fast as possibly, and then ramp down again. But if it doesn't need that and it's more efficient just to stay on LTE, especially if you're not in a good signal area or there is no coverage, uh, and your antenna, sorry, your radio is just screaming, just wasting power trying to catch on to something, it can just cut all of that out and keep you on an abundant LTE network rather than wasting power trying to latch onto a minimal or non-existent 5G one. Now, the iPhone 12, like the iPad Air 4, is working, is working with the A14 Bionic chipset. And we did see that first last month with the iPad Air introduction. But uh, now we're going into the secret chip lab to see Hope, who is the engineering program manager for hardware technologies, 
to take us through sort of the 2020 IP for Apple Silicon. And of course, this is the first uh, chip being built on on uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation's five nanometer uh, process, which is 1.8 times the transistors of the previous uh, seven nanometer. And Apple is using that for 11.8 billion transistors. And you know, Apple's not just taking up all those transistors, they're taking as many as they need for the performance they want, but also reducing the size of the overall die to increase the efficiency. And we've got the next generation of both the CPU and the GPU compute engines. And Apple, once again, of course, is claiming that these are the fastest, just faster than anything else. They're saying 50% faster graphics. But they've also got a new architecture, including a new 16-core neural engine. So that went from two cores originally to eight cores in the last generation to now 16 16 cores here, which is 80% faster than previously. And because not everything needs the neural engine, they've also got ML accelerators on the CPU, and those are second generation now, 70% faster. So for efficiency reasons, a task can hit those instead of the entire neural engine and still get incredible performance. And to sort of show all this off, to show off the A14's power and the low latency of 5G, they're announcing League of Legends is coming to the iPhone. In terms of cameras, on the regular iPhone 12, you're still getting two cameras, 12 megapixel ultra-wide cameras, F ultra-wide camera, F2.4, five element less, new 12 megapixel wide camera, F1.6, seven element lens, and the seven element lens just helps them keep more detail in the photos. So Apple's claiming a 27% increase in performance, especially in low light performance. And they're also continuing with the computational photography now with Smart HDR, the third generation of that, which does even more semantic rendering, just understanding what's inside the scene, whether it's rocks or a person or clouds or grass, and process them individually to try to get the best out of each individual element in that scene. And there's also an enhanced and increased and improved night mode, which now allows the use of any of the cameras, so the ultra-wide or the regular-wide angle, and it uses the better optics, the better light sensitivity to produce even better results on all of those cameras. And the thing I like about Apple's low light and night mode is that they don't try to make it look like they suddenly threw daylight on it. They just leave it leaving, they leave it looking like the night, just you can see what's in it. And for video, you're also getting better improvement uh, in low light. And they're also adding light, uh, sorry, night mode time lapse. And in terms of wireless, Apple is fixing one of my biggest pet peeves, and that is when you put a slippery glass backed phone onto a charging pad, it can just slip off and not charge. So to address that, Apple has created a new magnetic system that yes, can be used for charging. Like you can put a puck on the back of it, just like the Apple Watch, but they're also making accessories that are magnetic uh, that just slap onto the back. And I've been asking for this for a long time for just an expansion system. They're not going full out on it yet. You can't just slap a bigger camera on the back of it yet. It's not a fully modular system yet, but it's a beginning. It's uh, Dennis Tillman, the vice president of hardware systems engineering, uh, described it during the event. Uh, First, to just talk about how the same as the Apple Watch, and in fact, going back to the Palm Pre and the Touchstone charger that it came with, they're 
letting the magnets align the charger so that there's no ambiguity, there's no shift, there's no change. If you slap that puck on the back, it is going to charge. Anything that's MagSafe, and Apple, yeah, Apple is reusing the MagSafe name from the Mac, the old, uh, you know, breakaway charging plug for the Mac, to enable anything to just snap on and off to the back of the iPhone. And because they're pass-through, you can put on a MagSafe case and then put on a MagSafe charger, or you can put on the MagSafe wallet that Apple's debuting as well. Hopefully, this is just the very beginning. There's also going to be a MagSafe dual charger for both the iPhone and the Apple Watch. You can't, there's very specific positions for both of them because the Apple Watch charges differently. It's a, it's a greater variation than the iPhone. So you, you can't just mix and match where you put them, but these are combo accessories. Now, the rumors are true. As much as I'm excited for these accessories, Apple is also removing some accessories from the box, just like they did with the Apple Watch. They're doing that with the iPhone too. And that's starting with the headphones, uh, also the AC adapter. And Apple is saying they're doing it to reduce carbon emissions and to reduce uh, the mining for precious materials, and that it'll reduce the size of the box so they can fit 70% more products on the shipping pallets so they don't have to pollute as much moving the iPhones from production to delivery. And they do point out that a lot of people have these accessories already, or they buy AirPods or Beats or some other brand of headphones, or they already have their chargers. But I still, it still makes me almost as nervous as seeing Lisa Jackson standing on top of the solar panels at Apple Park, because there always are, you know, Apple talks about how many people are new to their devices every year. And it does make me nervous that they're not going to have what they need. And maybe they'll get a third party one that isn't as good. And it remains to be seen. I haven't had a chance to look yet, but I really hope Apple makes it super easy, totally not an inconvenience to get a... AC adapter, especially when they order. Now, the other change Apple's making is the cable is changing from USB-A to Lightning to USB-C to Lightning, which will work better with modern Apple uh, Macs, especially MacBooks. But if you still have an old PC, you might need an adapter on that end now as well. And now we have iPhone 12 mini. And for the record, I love Cayenne Bond. And this is everything that Apple does with the regular iPhone 12, but just smaller, smaller than Apple has made an iPhone in a very long time. It's a 5.4 inch display instead of 6.1. And it's still relatively expansive, but it has every one of the features of the regular iPhone 12, like they've done in the past with the Pro and the Pro Max, for example. But they're doing that with the regular one now. And Apple's saying it's the smallest, thinnest, lightest 5G phone in the world. And it's so small, Apple probably couldn't go smaller given the demands of modern processors with a smaller battery because they would, they would probably just brown out at that point. This is probably the smallest they can go while providing enough power for a 5G modem and an A14 class processor. And I know a lot of people just will like the less expensive aspect of a smaller phone, but I think a lot of people, especially original iPhone SE aficionados, will just straight up love getting a smaller iPhone again. And this, it's not quite as small as the original iPhone SE. Again, I think the device would just brown out at that size given all the modern feature demands, but it's smaller than the iPhone SE too, and it's full screen. 
And yeah, it's more expensive than the iPhone SE too. But I think for a lot of people, this won't, may not be the sweet spot. That's probably gonna be one of the 6.1 inch iPhones, but this will definitely be the sweetest iPhone for people who just love that smaller phone factor. The original rumors seem not to have been true. They aren't 650 and 750. They are 699 and 799. So the mini is now the price of the previous 11 and the regular is now hundred bucks more, which is closer to the iPhone XR pricing, not the iPhone 11 pricing. And yes, there are way more technologies. You've gone from LCD to OLED, you've gone from LTE to 5G, but 2020 just being this utter hellscape of a year and just how big a win it was for Apple to deliver the original iPhone 11 at 699 uh, remains to be seen. Now. Did you know that YouTube actually limits content creators to three videos a day? I mean, not really. You can upload as many as you like, but they'll only notify subscribers about three of them. That's something I learned the hard way after the September event, when I uploaded my fourth video, my Apple One video, and it got like no views. I mean, comparatively, none. So I'm uploading my iPhone and HomePod videos, of course, but I'm gonna upload my thoughts on the entire event from good morning to have a great day, to Nebula. That's the streaming video platform I'm building alongside thoughtful, education creators like Jordan Harrod, TechAlter, Thomas Frank, Epos Vox, Polymatter, Braincraft, Jenny Ma, Legal Eagle, and just so many more. Because it's a place where we don't need to worry about rate limits or demonetization or the tyranny of click-through rates or watch time or algorithms, even ads. Yeah, ads. You can find all of my videos there completely ad-free and sometimes with bonus content. For example, you can get both the video and audio version of my new podcast with Georgia Dow, Apple Talk. Not only the Apple topic and the general tech topic, but a special bonus topic as well. And like I said, just the full version of this Apple event video. So I know what you're thinking. What does this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, as the go-to source for the absolute best documentaries on the internet, they love educational content and thoughtful creators. And so we worked out this deal where if you sign up for CuriosityStream with the link in the description, not only will you get CuriosityStream, but you'll also get a Nebula subscription for free. And for a limited time, CuriosityStream is offering 26% off all of their annual plans. And 26% off is just the best deal you'll find anywhere. So click the link in the description and get both CuriosityStream and Nebula for 26% off. Or you can go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. It's a great way to support this channel and educational, thoughtful content directly for just $14.79 a year, a year. Just click on the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. And clicking on that link just really helps out the channel. For a ton more on the iPhone 12 and just everything else Apple is launching this fall, hit the subscribe button and bell and click on the playlist above. I've already got a bunch of hands-on and reviews on a bunch of products with just way more to come. So click on the playlist and see you next video.